Good afternoon, Bethany Cagle, and I'm glad you've tuned in because Grammy-nominated violinist and film actor Philippe Quint is here. You know, I've never been able to say that together, ever. Film actor? Film actor and, yeah, Grammy-nominated violinist. Yeah. This is new for me. Well, welcome, Philippe Quint. Thank you. He's here to play with the Sarasota Orchestra, the music of Barbara Barber's Violin Concerto this weekend. So give me something about the Barbara Violin Concerto. What can we look forward to? Well, Barber Violin Concerto is, I think, probably one of the greatest American concertos written. Uh, in a sense, um, it's probably also one of the great examples of a chamber concerto. So this is not exactly uh, a traditional concerto where the violin playing such a domineering part like Tchaikovsky or Brahms. Here, uh, Barber uh, made sure that every instrument gets to say something. So And it's so beautifully written, and the interaction between instruments is so clear and also so important that it becomes such a fascinating, uh, unique uh, concerto uh, in its own right. And that's tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. The Sarasota Orchestra, you can go online for details, sarasotaorchestra.org, get your tickets. And what will you be playing? What's the violin? Uh, the violin is a 1708 uh, Antonio Stradivari uh, called the Ruby. Ruby. And uh, the reason it is called the Ruby is uh, because it has this red uh, varnish uh, that Stradivari used, uh, sort of a reddish tint. Um, I, of course, when I first started playing on this violin about three years ago, uh, fascinated by the name Ruby, I looked up the gemstone Ruby, which is a stone that represents uh, mystery, love, (laughs) and passion. So I instantly attributed all those qualities to the violin and have been thinking that ever since. So so you can imagine every time you you touch this incredible, uh, I I like to call it time machine because that's really what it is for me. Uh, You know, it's almost traveling through time because some of the most incredible violinists of the past, some of my idols, have uh, played with this instrument, and so the violin really traveled through time. Passionate. So now, are we going to hear that in this work that you have lined up to play for us? Absolutely. Block? Is that right? You want to tell, tell a little bit about uh, it? Yes, uh, I'm going to play a work by a Swiss-American Jewish composer, um, Ernest Bloch. Uh, it's called uh, Nigun uh, from uh, Balshem, which is a cycle that he wrote. Uh, it's uh, one of the three pictures of the Hasidic life. And, of course, originally it is written for a violin and piano and as well as violin and orchestra, so, but uh, I'm doing it a cappella. A cappella, solo violin. <laughs> With me today, violinist Philippe Quent performing here the music of Ernest Bloch Nigun from the Balshem Suite on Classical WSMR. Thank you. 
The music of a nest block that was Nigun from the Balshem Suite, from pictures from Hasidic life, that triptych. That was moving. This is classical WSMR, 89.1, 103.9, violinist Philippe Quent performing. What is your connection with that music? I guess it helps being a Russian Jew. <laughs> yeah, let's hear about that. Uh, you know, growing up uh, in Soviet Union, I didn't, I didn't have such uh, exposure to uh, Jewish culture in general. But, you know, having arrived in 91 in America, of course, there's such a strong Jewish community. And uh, Nigun was one of the first works that s- almost represented secular music, even though in Bloch's own words, he he kept saying that he wasn't trying to write orthodox uh, uh, secular Jewish music. He was just trying to write good music. That was his intent. But of course, when you listen to his uh, all of his music, it's uh, it's infused with so much uh, passion and so much depth and sorrow. And somehow, uh, I, I I I do have a very very personal connection with this piece, and you know it gives me. A Great! It's 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 incredible experience to play it because I usually fall into a very different dimension that I can't really describe in into words. Well, it's interesting that you said he wasn't trying to write Jewish music. Um, what I understand about that piece is that it evokes religious chanting, right? And you feel you feel that that feeling, that connected spiritual feeling. Yes, just listening to it. Oh, that was that was beautiful. Um, you came to the U.S. Uh, 22 years ago, was it? Just about. And um, what brought you? Um, uh, several things uh, were happening uh, in my life at that time. Uh, of course, first of all, the collapse of Soviet Union in 91, uh, death of my teacher, my violin professor in Russia, Andrei Korsakov, whom I adored, uh, passed away at the age of 44, Um, And And you said his name is Korsakov? His name is Andrei Korsakov, distant relative of Rimsky-Korsakov, yes. Nice lineage. And, uh, and of course, uh, somebody brought um, a tape of uh, my performance in Moscow to the great uh, teacher uh, at Juilliard, uh, Darcy DeLay. And and she said that if, if I'm able to come to America, she would be happy, happy to accept me into her studio. Uh, of course... <laughs> what did that mean to you when you heard that? Well, that, it seemed unrealistic at the time because I had no possibility to leave Russia because I was supposed to serve in a uh, Soviet army, which for a musician <laughs> potentially could have been very dangerous and end of any sort of professional career. So my uh, my my mother and my grandparents figured out a way for me to to leave um, on a uh, not even a student visa. I think it was a concert that was arranged for me in New Jersey, and uh, and I came to the states. I gave that little concert, and of course I never went back. I auditioned to the studio of Dorothy Delay, who invited me to go to Aspen, where I learned my English. <laughs> Aspen the festival? Aspen Music Festival. To play right yes. away? Uh, well, uh, to to study with her. Right. You know, it's it's a festival that offers, you know, variety of classes and master classes and mm-hmm. uh, uh, performances. And it was, uh, you know, the, the first introduction to America for me. And is there something about her teaching that 
transformed you, that changed, that continued what you'd learned from Korsakov in... It was all so different. I can't, hmm. I can't even tell you. Uh, her teaching method. In, yes, uh, her teaching method was uh, quite the opposite of anything I had experienced before in Russia. You know, where you know Russian teachers used to throw, uh, you know, objects in the room if the student is not prepared. You know, oh. sometimes there were stories when the teacher would uh, kick out the student, then the cello, then the music, oh. then the cello case, then the parents. So, uh, and here suddenly. Uh, there was this uh, freedom of choice. She always uh, gave you a freedom of choice. Uh, she would always say, you don't have to do it, but this is what's, uh, what's been done before. You have this option or you have this option. And then she would say, what do you think about this? How do you feel about this particular passage? And nobody had ever asked me that before. <laughs> you know, she would ask me about my concept of a particular work. Uh, and that, of course, uh, I feel uh, developed a lot of um, individual personalities, particularly in her studio. If you look at her uh, most well-known students, everyone plays very, very differently because she made sure that uh, a student thinks. And this is something that uh, also Isaac Stern uh, told me when I played for him. It was actually Dorothy DeLay that uh, arranged for me to play for uh, late uh, Isaac Stern, who said that you have to understand that there's a meaning behind every note. And of course, I was 21 years old, and I was thinking mm. to myself, that is impossible. Mm. How can you have a meaning behind every note? But now, you know, some years later, uh, I know exactly what he was talking about. And mm. I spent a great deal of time uh, looking for a meaning of a note, a meaning of a passage, meaning of a composition. Uh, and I, I spent a great deal of time on the research of a particular composition. And do you also just go intuitively too, with with a f something intuitive too, um, that you bring it your own meaning? Uh, you know, this is actually a long topic, and a, oh, no, no, yeah, you know, in a sense, uh, you know, what did the composer want to say? You know, it's it's a debate between what composer wrote and what we do as interpreters, mm -hmm. you know, and um, there's a lot of uh, folks out there, musicians who, uh, who say that, uh, that, uh, you know, Bach wanted this, Bach said this, not this, Brahms mm -hmm. said this, but in my experience working with many different contemporary composers, uh, I feel that the composers wanted different interpretations. Because, you know, as performance, uh, as pef uh, performers and uh, interpreters, uh, I think it's our mission to present a work in, in a way that, that how we know it, you know, based on our experience. And, you know, whether Bach or Brahms uh, would like that particular interpretation is questionable because we can't really email him. <laughs> Or too bad. call him. It is too bad, you know, because I have so many questions. It would be nice. Yeah. This is Classical WSMR 89.1 and 103.9. Violinist Philippe Quint with us this afternoon, playing with the Sarasota Orchestra this weekend, Barbara's Violin Concerto. You can get tickets and more information at sarasotaorchestra.org. I also mentioned not only are you Grammy-nominated Grammy -nominated violinist, but also film actor. Um, the film that you're in, the independent film, um, it's called... Downtown, Downtown Express. Express. I was getting there. 
Downtown <laughs> Express. Um, it actually marks the first time a classical musician has performed the lead in an American independent film. And it's showing at independent film festivals throughout the U.S. It came to Tampa not too long ago. And it's a role that perhaps maybe you relate to, Russian violinist comes to the U.S. I felt it was a theatrical transformation from a Russian-born violinist into a Russian-born violinist <laughs> on the screen. How big a transition was that for you? Huge. Yes. In, in fact, I got into character so much that I still play the violin and I still speak with the Russian that accent. That is amazing. It, and it's, it's a well-done accent. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> acting is all about commitment, as you know. But no, wait, wait a minute. I know enough about this film to know that this particular Russian violinist chooses to busk for a bit and then get with a, a cool little independent um, mm. pop group. Yeah, unlike my life story, that is Correct. Is it, is it yeah. Correct? No, I, I was very How long a child. How long a project was this? Uh, that was, uh, we were shooting in New York in the summer of 2010 for about six weeks, which is, according to the film standards, is nothing. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, absolutely you know, fascinating time. I loved every aspect of uh, filmmaking. Uh, we had a great team, you know, absolutely fantastic team, wonderful actors, uh, wonderful director, legendary producer, Michael Hausman, who is, of course, uh, who's produced one of my favorite films, which is Amadeus. And, uh, and then, of course... Uh, uh, now it's, you know, playing at the festivals. I've gone to several film premieres, which is, you know, <laughs> it's surreal. It's, it's just a surreal experience to, uh, to go to a film premiere. And there's nothing worse than uh, watching yourself on the big screen. There's, you know, some people enjoy it. I, I remember the very first uh, premiere that we did in New York. <laughs> I couldn't bear it. I was so nervous. My heart yeah. was just... Uh, and uh, and then, of course, after you do several premieres, you kind of get used to it. And sure. Say, eh, it's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> not as bad as I thought. Well, okay, now you got to write music for it. Uh, I collaborated with uh, Nellie Mackay, who was my uh, co-star, and also Michael Bacon, uh, whom uh, people probably know from his uh, band with his brother, Kevin Bacon. Oh. It says the Bacon Brothers, mm -hmm. and they, they go on tour uh, in in U.S. One, once in a while. So... Uh, and, and, and I've written just some numbers for violin, you know, like all the violin solos, of course, I was responsible for, uh, including even uh, one instance where I had to uh, imitate a Russian underground band. It's something that the director requested. Uh, and what did that mean exactly? Well, that meant that I had to go into a studio and <laughs> do... Uh, well, first of all, I did the research on what is Russian underground music, sure. you know, because I actually had no idea. And, um, uh, you know, it appeared to be some really atrocious uh, music and voices, which I was uh, curious mm -hmm. to try to uh, imitate. Uh, and um, I got into a studio with Michael Bacon and, you know, we threw something together. Uh, I just pretty much used uh, all of the talents that I had, you know, which is a little bit of guitar, a little bit of piano, a little bit of violin, a little bit of drums. And uh, I put together two voices, uh, two Russian voices that sounded pretty nasty, if, oh, okay. you know, if, if you can imagine. And, and, and then I sent it off to my mother, who is actually some somewhat involved with the pop culture. She's a composer. She's a composer, that's correct, yes. Mm. And she actually sits, uh, you know, in a, a jury, so not, not juries, but uh, uh, 
she's one of the judges, like the, mm-hmm. the, the Russian-American idol. I mean, not Russian-American oh. idol, but yes. you know, the, it's called the Fabric of the Stars, I think, in oh, Russia. Okay. So, so, so she's, you know, she's judging that. And, and when, when I sent it to her without saying what it is, uh, I, I finally called her and I said, I, you know, you, you haven't told me anything about this um, little record that I sent you. And she says, like, look, I know you've been in America for, you know, 20 years. Uh, and uh, you're probably fascinated by Russian bands that we have here. <laughs> but I hear this all the time, and I don't want to ever hear this group again. That's funny. And then she says, who is this? Who, what is this band? And I said, Mom, it's me. <laughs> she it, says, what do you mean it's me? I said, well, it's for the movie. I'm acting. And she said, and she said, well, in that case, it's very funny. <laughs> okay, good. So yeah. then it was legit. Yeah, and the did. director said, Philip, it's terrible. We're going to use it. So that's not what we're going to hear next, though. Uh, no. Okay. No, definitely not. Okay, but what we're hearing is something you did write for the film. I did. Okay, so it's a Philippe Quint original. Yeah, I guess so. Solo Caprice. My official composition, my debut. Let's hear it. All right. Are you ready? On Ruby, the Ruby violin. Violinist Philippe Quint plays his own work here. Solo Caprice, music he wrote for the film Downtown Express on classical WSMR. Philippe Quint with his solo caprice music he wrote for the movie he starred in, Downtown Express. You're listening to Classical WSMR 89.1 and 103.9. Philippe Quint in town playing with the Sarasota Orchestra, Samuel Barber's Violin Concerto. And that is tonight, 
tomorrow and Sunday. Tickets and information are at Sarasota Orchestra. Dot org. You can get online and look look up Downtown Express and see the trailer and get all the details and learn more about Philippe Quint's role in this movie. And also maybe we could find out about your quintet, the Quint Quintet. The Quint Quintet, yes. It's a, it's a group that I put together about two years ago after falling in love with the music of Astor Piazzolla. So it's a tango, Piazzolla. It's, yeah, it's uh, some... It's, Tango-infused. Uh, Piazzolla is a bit of a hybrid of so many different styles. He was influenced by a lot of French school uh, of composing. And then, of course, he, you know, playing in nightclubs in New York, uh, he eventually incorporated his classical training with uh, some of the rock, uh, some of the klezmer, some of the uh, tango, of course, you know, in his native Argentina. And, and that, I think, uh, eventually uh, resulted in having a very personal, unique style, which is so recognizable. I mean, you, you hear the libertango, you hear the oblivion, you know, these are such uh, fantastic works and great music. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. Thank you for playing your beautiful work, Solo Caprice. Was that the radio debut? Had its film debut, maybe not. <laughs> we'll find out more about Philippe Quint and about this weekend's performance again online at sarasotaorchestra.org. Thanks so much again to Philippe Quint for coming to the Sarasota Orchestra, for bringing Philippe Quint to our area. Thanks also to Dustin Hathley for doing all the engineering this afternoon.